Sony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is March 7th, 2023. Welcome to a special edition of Canadian Common Sense, an interview special. It is Tony in Saskatchewan, flying solo today. Lewis is away. So when we think about the level of government that is most accountable to us, we hear a lot of people say, oh, it's your, it's your local government, it's your municipal government that's most accountable because it's the government that's closest to you that you have the most access to. But is that true? And at least in Ottawa, you know when your elections are, in the provinces, you know when your elections are, and we actually get out and vote. The 30% of us who bother to vote in municipal elections obviously get noticed because they don't care. Then, because they don't care, we see things like 15-minute cities, vanity infrastructure projects, Kayla Lemieux, and more. That is until now. The organization is Municipal Watch. Uh, website is municipalwatch.ca, and we are honored to have the president of municipalwatch.ca, Stella Ambler. Stella, welcome to Saskatoon. <laughs> Thank you, Tony. Uh, I really appreciate you having me on your show. And uh, I'm sorry that we're missing Lewis, but uh, I think it'll be fun anyway. Well, have a great time. And I appreciate you making the time for us. Uh, My pleasure. Just to break down the fourth wall of Canada, I actually had to delay Stella by a few minutes because I had some work troubles today. Uh, just mechanical breakdown, thankfully, but uh, we're online and we're ready to rock and roll. So uh, Stella, I got to admit that I have said many times on this show that Parliament Hill is the place where 338 of the dumbest Canadians get together to tell the rest of us how to live. And then I learned you used to be one of them. <laughs> but, uh, so how about you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? <laughs> well, um, I certainly uh, developed a little bit of thicker skin when I was there uh, for that four years. So I can laugh at that comment very easily. And I'm sure there were times when uh, some of my constituents didn't think I was doing the smartest things. I'm not really sure, but uh, <laughs> but, but we've moved on. And uh, yeah, Municipal Watch is actually is, is something that I'm very, very excited to be working on and, and to have created because I, I feel like there was a real need for it um, that to bring accountability oversight scrutiny to the municipal level of government. You know, in uh, federal and provincial politics, the opposition is, is right there in your face every day. Uh, you know, question period is, is obvious. I sat there um, uh, every day at, at 2 p.m. And, and listened to questions from the opposition. And, and, you know, sometimes politicians give answers, sometimes they don't, sometimes they're good answers, sometimes they're bad. But the media is there, people follow along, and if there is a burning issue of the day, you can be fairly certain that it will be, it will be mentioned, uh, brought up in question period, provincially, in provincial legislatures across the country, or federally on Parliament Hill. But with municipal politics, the, the opposition is much more... Um, uh, well, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's like ephemeral, cloudy, you know, it does it exist, does it not exist, is there opposition? And I think that opposition is really part of the democracy, the democratic process that we really, that we need. Um, we need, you know, to call out, there's so much nonsense at this level, and we need to call it out, someone needs to call it out. And I find that 
sometimes, uh, you know, municipal councillors kind of get lost in their own fog of what's happening. And, and that's not to say that they don't mean well or that I don't have enormous respect for people who are elected to municipal councillors. The work that they do is important and it can be very challenging, very difficult. I, I get it. I have a lot of respect for people who want to do this work. Uh, that doesn't mean though that sometimes they don't get off track and they don't start to kind of believe their own shtick and they play outside. One of the counselors that I, I spoke to uh, who had been a counselor for 12 years said that even he noticed that on that that sometimes municipal counselors really they they spend too much time playing outside of the sandbox the sandbox that is what they're supposed to be doing that is delivering core services to the people um, and 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 sometimes you know those core services are not maybe they don't seem so glamorous right like garbage pickup water, um, uh, libraries, roads, stop signs, potholes, all of those things are, but they're very important. Um, and, and, and so I think part of what Municipal Watch is going to do is to make sure that municipalities stick to their knitting, as, 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 as you can say. Um, and so, and, and, and provide that sort of pushback when they're getting off track. Okay, so now you served as an MP, correct? Yes, four years. Okay, uh, so were you, were you interested in municipal politics before becoming an MP, or did you just uh, jump right up to the big big tank? Well, um, funny you should ask. I did. Uh, I did. I did make a run at municipal council myself once uh, in two thousand and six in Ontario. I, I lived in Brampton at the time. And I learned a lot from that. I I, I did, and I, um, I I think my you know I had a a, a very good campaign. Uh, I, I guess what I one of the things I learned from that is that I loved the idea of talking to people about what their concerns were, um, and I met I met so many people that were really interested. And what was going on in in their community? I mean, if you're a person who who keeps up with and cares about what's happening in your city or town, you care about politics. And you know, it's like it's easy to get excited about international issues, and you know, those are sort of the more glamorous things. Um, even national issues, like uh, you, you can talk about immigration, defense, like those are all pretty. You're pretty hip and cool, right? To talk about those things. Um, but if you're the kind of person who's willing to talk about, uh, you know, sensible densification and, um, you know, traffic calming, like you're obviously a serious person. <laughs> and I, I kind of like that. So, so I, anyway, I, you know, I, I moved municipalities. So after I represented Mississauga, Ontario, that was my riding. And uh, moved out to a, a smaller town in a much smaller town in Simcoe County, Ontario, so on uh, Georgian Bay. And uh, I found it remarkably different. Uh, the way the average person, the, the, the average citizen in a small town interacts with their municipality, with their municipal councillors. Um, I, I was so impressed by the level of knowledge and engagement 
in my town. Um, you could walk down the street and talk to your neighbors and they would all have an opinion on what the counselors were doing at the moment. It was, it's real, it was really interesting to me. You probably get that all the time in Saskatchewan. That's probably not a big deal. But when you come from a city like I did, uh, where the population is over 800,000, and then you move to one with 20,000, uh, it, it was a real, it was, it was shockingly different. And, and great. And I thought it actually pretty great. Uh, so the voter turnout, we had a municipal election last year and the voter turnout in my new small town was just under 50%, which doesn't sound, which isn't, isn't great, but it was more than twice as high as the 24% turnout in Mississauga. Well, I was going to say that's actually fantastic. I think here last time in Saskatoon, our municipal election was in the 30s, and I think it was the low 30s. So yeah. uh, that's great Common. to see. Yeah. So now when you're talking about municipal watch, you want to keep an eye on, obviously, city councils or county reeves, etc. Now, is this, uh, is this a Toronto-Vancouver kind of thing, or is this something that also could be applied in Moose Factory, Ontario, or uh, Nipah, Manitoba, for example? Absolutely, ever like everywhere, uh, cities and towns, big and small. Uh, in fact, uh, when I was putting the website together, uh, a, a friend found a picture of of uh, Toronto City Hall, and I said, you know, let's just let's just keep that out of there because I don't want anyone to think that Municipal Watch is about Toronto. And I've lived, I have lived in Toronto, so I, I, you know, I, I get it. Uh, People think it's the center of the universe or whatever, but I, I don't want to spend all my time on that. Um, now, that's not to say that if the Toronto City Council is doing something that I think is not in the best interests of the people they serve, I'm absolutely happy to call it out. But there are over 3,500 municipalities in Canada and 10,000 municipal councillors. So I think I, I'll probably have my plate full um, with with the um, with with uh, moose moose factory and uh, and carbon Alberta, which I just discovered existed in this this week. In fact, have you do you know of carbon Alberta? I had to. I'm embarrassed to tell you. I had to look up where it is. Um, I, I I have actually driven through carbon Alberta. I'm originally from Alberta, actually, okay. so uh, I have an unfair advantage that way. Okay. Well, it's near Drumheller. There you go. So yeah. you probably know that too. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, just east of Drumheller, in fact. But um, there you go. Yeah, beautiful. Well, yeah. it is beautiful country out there, but uh, but they have their um, challenges. You see, so um, I'm, so I'm here. So what, what I should have said when, when I asked you would be about instead of Moose Factory about Carbon Alberta or Seven Persons Alberta, which actually has a population of about three thousand. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Well, uh, yes, I'll have to look that one up too. <laughs> Yeah, that's in the Medicine Hat area, so not terribly. Uh, okay, there you go. Hey, I've been there. I've been there. Been to, there I love yeah. So you were very close to seven persons. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the the big question is, um, well, I guess I have two big questions, but let's start with the uh, the bigger question: How do you keep mayors, city councilors, etc., accountable? I mean, John Tory, thankfully, in your neck of the woods, did the right thing and just stepped down when the. Uh, once he got caught, that is, but yeah. that's another story for another day. But um, so what yeah. do you do as an organization to uh, to get on these people and actually make them accountable? Yeah, well, the idea 
that I have uh, and, and that I want to implement is to make sure that Municipal Watch gives Canadians the tools that they um, that will help them communicate their concerns in a way that these municipal politicians will listen. So, I, I mean, I, I feel like I know I have a good idea um, of what politicians care about, um, what, uh, you know, what gets them, what lights a fire under them. Um, and in fact, I know I do, because I'll tell you, um, I, I, like, I know how politicians think. I know what kinds of pressures they respond to, um, because I remember what it's like, you know, to, to, to get a petition on my desk from hundreds of people who uh, voted for you, but were unhappy about something I was doing, or to be inundated with calls to my office or bombarded with angry people at an event. I'll tell you, I was motivated to fix the problem and fix it fast. So there are many different tactics that we can use, letters, emails, of course, social media, petitions, all those things, showing up at, at council meetings if necessary. Um, but ultimately, I'd like to take each case individually. So some problems might be simpler to fix, some a little bit more difficult. Um, in some cases, it'll just be a case of shining a light and make sure that there's awareness that this crazy thing is happening, um, or that people should be speaking out, uh, sending a letter, sending letters to their counselors, whatever the case might be, um, you know, it, it'll really depend on the on the issue and what exactly is happening. Okay, so you're essentially you're you're looking for the local activists, and so are you kind of a focal point for those local activists who say, Stella, I'm really mad at Councillor X. What do I do? And are you there to sort of steer the ship as it were or uh, I'm, I might be I, I would what my plan is real what I'd really like to do is have local watchdogs across Canada that are part of the team the, the, the municipal watch team people that are armed and ready to go ready to to to, to fight the good fight in their in their uh, in their cities and towns. I can't really do it all by myself. So if I don't create that team, uh, then I don't think I'll be successful. Uh, so so that's what I'm doing right now. I'm hearing from people who have their experiences to tell um, and that uh, and they're telling me what that what's happening. It's been uh, I, I've actually been a little bit overwhelmed in a way by, the number of people who are telling me what's their, their stories through calls, emails, uh, the website, and they're identifying some really great stuff. So, um, you know, I'm, so, so many of them are relieved that someone is there to take all this information in and then, um, and then try to help them do something about it. Okay. Now, um, this is sort of a sidebar question, but in Quebec and also in the lower mainland of BC, you actually have uh, municipal political associations. I mean, I guess in a way, kind of political parties. Would uh, would you work with, say, some of them who and, and make them a kind of a de facto opposition if uh, if necessary, or are you more or less just worried worried about the individual councillors? Um, 
in the case in the cases of uh, where there's some partisan where there are part political parties, I guess at the municipal level, absolutely happy to work with them. Um, happy to work with them as well. Uh, it's it's that's such an interesting question and conversation to have, right? Like, should does it does it do municipal politics any good to have uh, to have that partisanship? You know, I get. I, I mean, I, I really. Do, I don't have an answer. I. It's. It's such an interesting question because, um, you know, I. I've. I've only uh, lived in Ontario, so I. I only know uh, one type of municipal government, and that's supposedly nonpartisan. But we all know that. I mean, councillors, uh, most municipal councillors, I would say. Mo I think I can confidently say most, a majority, have political views, and they lean one way or the other, obviously. Um, and, and so, um, you know, does that make it better uh, for them to not be able to, to show their stripes, right? Like, sometimes you think, well, okay, you're doing this because you're a liberal, or you're a new Democrat. And, um, and, you know, in, in my case, I'd be, uh, I'd be saying, like, is there a different way to look at that? Um, Anyway, uh, I mean, Municipal Watch, to be clear, is nonpartisan. I, I certainly wouldn't want to exist only with the support of small C conservatives or even or card carrying conservatives, e even though that's that's what I am, of course. But I'm very happy to work with people who just want to see common sense, less less um, uh, overspending overregulation um, and just less general municipal madness. And for that, you don't have to be a conservative. No, absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, common sense, while not very common, is certainly yeah. applicable across the entire spectrum. Right. Well, could be. So um, so I guess the, just the question that pops up from that, that previous discussion is, um, would you see an organization like Municipal Watch sort of leading leaning towards the encouragement of political parties at the municipal level, or would you rather just keep it kind of uh, with the system you, you and I are both accustomed to, where your councillors are just one person, one name? I I can't see at this point taking a stand one way or the other on that. I'm I feel like I have a, I have bitten off a whole lot. Um, some days I feel like it's more than I can chew, but uh, so in terms of the governance models, um, for now, I think I'm just going to work with what we have um, and deal with the municipal councils and councillors uh, individually. Um, I think that's kind of easier for now, um, because I don't think that uh, if you if you create a level of, uh, if you create all um, if you change it so that all municipalities are partisan and have to show their stripe and run on belonging to a, a, a party or with a particular focus, um, I, I don't think that would solve all that many problems, to be honest with you. So I'll just skip right over to the solving of problems part. Well, I, I like to hear that. And uh, as far as political parties go municipally, I, I know very little about them. So uh, I, I think you and I are probably in the same boat there. In fact, when Vancouver recently had their their uh, municipal election, I had heard for the first time that uh, the mayor had won with you know whatever slate it was, and so then uh, 
I spoke with Aaron Gunn not long after, and it's like, okay, you're going to have to help me out here. So yeah, the whole idea of political parties at the municipal level was completely foreign to me. But yeah. as I learned from him, apparently that's something that's being considered in Calgary. So. Ah, yes, I I had heard that. I, I don't know how far that's going to go. Um, I, I, I some days and I say this as a true part. I'm a I'm a conservative. I'm a true partisan myself. Uh, I, I certainly couldn't hide that or deny it, even if I tried. But sometimes I I kind of like the the idea that there is one level of government that just stays away from that. And you know maybe that's a good thing, really. Anyway, I like I said, you we could probably debate that for a long time, and I'd be interested in ha in seeing that debate happen, but. Uh, I I have enough to do right now without getting into it. Oh, for sure, yeah. And uh, like you, I don't actually mind the uh, well, air quotes, nonpartisan nature of our of our current mayor and council. Although uh, I yeah. think you 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 hit on it already. I mean, I know exactly where our mayor stands on the political spectrum, and it's much much farther to the left than I am. I'll put it that way. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm, luck I'm lucky to have a city councilor who is at, at the very least somewhat centrist and. Uh, you know, possibly even even a bit more to the right, and he actually answered my phone calls. That's uh, not something I see a lot of my of MPs or MLAs doing. So yes, I, you you really in the end you just you ask them to be reasonable and to put the people that they represent first, right? Um, make sure that that they don't forget that it this is all about the communities we live in and wanting to our local representatives to. Uh, to be responsible, accountable, honest, transparent, all those great things. Yeah, yeah well, that would be great. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> yes, yes, thank you. Of course, we, you know, we can disagree on, on what that means, but I can tell you that I'm, when, you know, when the city, city of Edmonton proposes a 7%, increase in taxes. I, I mean, I think they're down to, they've whittled it down to 4%, you know, um, but when they do things like this, in my view, it's still too high. They're, they're doing, they're really not taking into account that people are struggling right now with high interest rates, um, higher prices of everything. Um, and, um, and that, you know, they, they really need to tighten their belts a little bit. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, city of Toronto, I, I said, I wouldn't talk about Toronto, but here I am. Uh, they, They're 7%, right? 7%, exactly. Yeah. So 5%, 5.5% property, and then uh, one and a half points for some sort of building fund or something well above the rate of inflation. I mean, it just, it's, I, I just think it's, um, it, it's misguided and, uh, and it, you know, these types of things hurt the people who can least afford it. Um, you know, same as I, I talk about natural gas bans all the time, because uh, this is something that really irks me. I, I think it's, I understand that it's a road, you know, I say, I, I say it's a road paved with good intentions, um, but none of these initiatives accomplish what they set out to do. So, um, if you, I mean, if you, if you want to retrofit your, your home from, uh, natural gas to electric, they, uh, 
there are estimates that it, it could cost up, upwards of $100,000 per home. I mean, I don't know anyone that could afford that. Uh, and and so I've told this story before, but I, I was talking to my father about, uh, so, so we lived in, um, uh, when I was growing up, we had a, a place in rural Brampton, which if people hear the word, the city of Brampton, they don't think that there are any rural parts left and there, but there were back in the eighties when I was there and, and when we were there and our, um, there was no, uh, there was no natural gas feed. So our, how our home was heated with electric, uh, um, electric power, a heat pump actually. And at that time, this was the early 1980s, my parents' electrical bill, electric bill was $6,000 a year. Yeah, um, yeah $500 a month. And uh, so I think, you know, we don't, we don't have to look very far to see that sometimes, you know, we're trying to do the right thing. Um, but if people have to pay two, three, four times the cost to heat their home or feed their families or whatever, whatever, when your costs are going up by that much, um, maybe you're really not doing the right thing. And that, that's sort of a, you know, anyway, we, they eventually switched over to natural gas after a few years when it became available and uh, the, their bills went down to um, like $2,400 a month. So, you know, uh, anyway, uh, you know, I, I think, um, I, I just think we have to be care. They have to be careful to be, um, uh, to, to just think about how this affects the people who can least afford it. And, um, and I, I would don't like to see crippling new, new increases and in costs being put on people who really can't afford it. So I'd like to be a voice for those people. Oh, definitely. Much appreciated. Now, um, I think you'd re reference this early on in our conversation too, but about, uh, municipalities staying in their lane and, yeah. I think that's really important because we do see a lot of cities, well, like Edmonton is already talking about the 15 minute city. And I asked myself, well, really, is that any of your business to do, uh, be doing the UN's bidding? And I, is, do you think it's a matter of a lot of our municipal politicians don't know their lane or they just want to uh, want to get their name on that, that big shovel going in the ground? That. Yeah, well, that's a good question. I do think that there's pressure on them to uh, to veer out of their lanes, and there and the part part of the pressure is that glamour I was talking about before. They see provincial and federal politicians talking about climate change, talking about net zero, um, and all of these other sort of loftier aspirational goals and they think well i don't want to stick to you know garbage pickup and talking about you know if the buses are running on time and that sort of thing um i'd rather talk about um anyway i i so it's not that i'm well let's put it this way um i i think that the the 15 minute cities uh we we need to make sure that they um, it's that, that if, if a city wants to have sensible, I call, I talk about sensible 
densification. That's fine. Great. You know, if that works with the city plan and that's what the people want and that's the kind of housing uh, that they want, that's fine. Um, uh, I would just, uh, what I'd like, what I'd like is to make sure that they're being very careful that it doesn't um, veer into a social engineer engineering. And um, so, uh, you know, using zoning laws and traffic infrastructure to influence behavior is what we want to avoid, right? So great, absolutely have fines for when you're driving on the wrong road at the wrong time. Uh, but um, uh, let's make a, let's, let's decide between what the difference is between a fine and um, uh, uh, sorry, a fee and a fine. Um, in, in, in the greater Toronto area, we have a toll road, a toll highway. It's very expensive. Um, so people can choose to drive on it or not. And you might like that or you might not, but it's, it's pretty clear. It's there for people who can afford it. Um, but, uh, you know, but for there to be uh, fines for driving outside of your neighborhood at a certain time, I think we, we just have to be careful where that goes. And I guess uh, suffice to say, I'm watching that carefully. I just want to make sure that, um, uh, that, that we focus on the good stuff. And cause you know, it's, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with new development and um, more dense and, and walking down the street to, uh, to pick up flowers or baked goods or something like that. I like to go to a nice bakery that's close to home or have a cup of coffee at a place in your neighborhood. And so um, relaxing zoning uh, bylaws for those purposes, great, fine. But um, I, I would hate for, for a municipality to, to be able to tell me that I can't drive a half an hour because I want to go to Costco. Um, because maybe once a month I want to go to Costco. And the nearest one to me is 40 minutes away. So uh, anyway, I, I, I don't want to sound um, uh, like I'm panicked about it or even I'm not even sounding an alarm, but I, I will say, I think we, we all need to just watch it closely and make sure that um, that the goals are uh, that the the goals are very straightforward, and that we all kind of agree going forward that um, to take the good parts and make sure that it doesn't go off the rails. Yeah, that, that that's a great idea. And uh, oddly enough, we were having I was just listening to you now. I'm thinking about my own city, where our mayor and council were able to decide on building a new arena downtown but yet they still can't make their minds up on changing zoning laws to infill older neighborhoods so um, right <laughs> so speaking right. of staying in your lane and um, you know not going right. for the glamour right so exactly exactly so, it, so it's definitely everywhere so um anyway i've kept you probably longer than i was supposed to um so what can we the people do to help you out Oh, well, thanks for asking that question. Um, please, uh, to the listeners, go to municipalwatch.ca, sign up, uh, become a local watchdog yourself. Um, I need your help. Uh, tell me what's happening in your, um, in your city or town. 
uh, or just follow us and learn about what's happening in other cities and towns and uh, and support the things that we're we're doing to call out what I call what I like to call municipal madness. Municipal madness. I like that. So, uh, <laughs> Thank you. Right, I went so for the alliteration there. <laughs> yeah, no, that was good because it made me think of midnight madness, right? Of all the the, the sales that the some of the stores <laughs> used to have. So <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of that, but yes, I, I started off with municipal mismanagement, and I thought, well, that's definitely too difficult to say and not catchy enough. So I thought, hashtag municipal madness. Madness. Let's get it trending. There you go. I'm I'm in for that. So <laughs> municipalwatch.ca is the website. If you want to start keeping your own city councilors and mayors, Reeves, et cetera, accountable, this is the place to go. And President Stella Ambler, I do want to thank you for your time. I appreciate you joining Canadian Common Sense. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Tony. It was a real pleasure. Great meeting you today. And don't be a stranger. We'll uh, talk again soon. I won't. I hope so. Thanks very much. All right, Canada, that is Stella Ambler, the, and she is president of Municipal Watch and municipalwatch.ca. Thanks for joining us, Canada. It's Tony in Saskatchewan. Good night.